Hello and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland and I'm so excited to be here with you. I've been in a pretty scrappy mood lately. Okay, that was a bad pun. I've been in a great mood, not a crappy mood. Um, But scraps have definitely been on my mind. I've been making a lot of scrap quilts the past few years. Uh, I finally developed a scrap organization system that works for me, and I have been working on a secret scrap-related article for a future issue of American Patchwork and Quilting, so scraps are really front and center in my life right now. And I know many quilters love scraps too. And while it's nice to save scraps for a larger scrappy quilt, Sometimes it's just as fun to use them in quick, small projects to use around your home. Especially as we approach the holiday season and have gifting and decorating on our to-do lists, I thought it would be fun today to chat a little about creative ways to use scraps in smaller projects, home decor, and even some holiday gift ideas. So first, let's chat about fast-to-sew decor projects. So things like small mug rugs, throw pillows, pin cushions, and maybe even some small bags are all great candidates for your scraps. You can choose scraps um, in your favorite colors, of course, to get a specific look. But sometimes it's fun to pick your favorite, favorite prints from your scrap bin to highlight in a specific project. Uh, do you know the scraps I'm talking about? It's it's the fabric that you bought special at your local quilt shop because you loved it so much, and you will just keep cutting it down to use in projects, even when the scraps are getting so teeny tiny. So sometimes it's fun to just pick a small project to feature those fabrics you're obsessed with because it'll instantly make you happy when you see it. Another great use for scraps left over from a larger quilt you made is to use them to make a maybe a matching throw pillow, a small table topper, or even something like a little garland or banner. You could make um, a few extra blocks from the pattern you're using to sew into these smaller projects or even use the scraps in a completely new pattern. But either way, you're creating this kind of neat matching set of decor to use together in a room. I love doing this, especially with fabrics that I, uh, that I may not necessarily use um, for other scrappy projects, such as like maybe seasonal or novelty print fabrics. So for example, last year, I made a quilt using Christmas-themed fabrics. And then I used the scraps to make matching stockings. It was, it was unlikely that I'd probably find a home for those holiday fabrics in other scrappy projects I made unless I decided to make another <laughs> scrappy Christmas quilt. So I just decided to use them right, ama- right away to make matching decor. So now I have a cute little uh, vignette I can use um, during the holidays. Um, another example would be like if you made maybe a baby quilt as a gift. You could sew a matching garland to hang in the baby's room or even like a little baby book to gift to the parents. Sometimes it's nice to have scraps on hand for those 
unexpected gifting that sometimes happens, <laughs> uh, you know, like the occasions that you don't necessarily want to spend a lot of money on or the gifts you need to whip up last minute, um, but that you still want to seem thoughtful and special, um, but you don't necessarily want to use your favorite fabrics that you bought or um, spend a lot of time cutting and making something new. Um, so an example is you could use scraps to cut some small applique shapes and then applique them to a store-bought tea towel or even store-bought napkins, and that's a really great quick hostess gift, and you could personalize that for a lot of things. You could do holiday applique motifs, you could do um, birthday theme monograms, there's a lot of variety, and um, it just is a quick gift when you're applicating it to store-bought, and you could even use like a no-sew fusible, so you don't even have to stitch the applique down, just fuse it. You could even use scraps to make a quick set of coasters, uh, maybe using like a simple block like a four patch. Or maybe now that we're approaching winter, um, you could do hand warmers filled with rice or little sachets filled with lavender. So these are all easy gifts you can just make with squares of fabric you have lying around. Um, but th they seem special and they, they're handmade so people will love them. Okay, now let's talk about some no-sew options for your scraps. So I've heard from a lot of quilters that they use their leftover binding strips or even the strips of salvage they cut off when uh, they're squaring up a piece of fabric. Um, they're using them in really creative ways. So some people use the strips as cord wraps to kind of corral all the electronic cords in their house. Um, it would be great if you're going on a retreat and you just want to keep your maybe your iron cord or your sewing machine cords just all tidy while you're traveling. I've heard from some people that they use strips to maybe stake up or tie up vegetables like tomato plants. They tie them to the cages to help them climb higher. Um, and my coworker Joanna uses the prettiest strips of fabric to tie bows around vases or candles for a little decorative touch. I know a lot of selvages now have cute little sayings on them or little designs, so it's fun to use those around your home just, just as a decoration and then you feel no guilt later if you just um, throw them out because you got a little happy use out of them. And of course you could even use long strips as bows on packages or to kind of tie up little gifts. I've definitely done that before. I like to use um, a salvage from one of the fabrics I've made in a quilt to tie up the quilt before I gift it. So it's just that little extra touch. And some quilters actually collect specific scraps as a memory. My coworker Beth saves some scraps of the quilt she makes throughout each year, and then she puts them into a clear plastic ornament to hang on her Christmas tree. I just love this idea. I've heard quilters do a similar thing with mason jars that they label with the year and how many quilts they've made that year. And, and just in my personal life, one year I even used some scraps to sew an English paper pieced hexagon each day to try to get a little handwork in and to just be a memory of kind of a year in my life. So of course, none of these ideas I gave today 
is designed to make a dent in your scrap bin. In fact, most don't even take too many scraps to make, (laughs) but sometimes it's just rewarding to use your scraps throughout the year in smaller projects because they become a memory of quilts you've made in the past. Especially if you make a lot of quilts for others and maybe don't, you know, physically have those quilts in your home to look back on, these smaller scrap projects become a fun way to have a piece of those quilts as your own and see that kind of visual collection of fabrics that are being loved by others in their own quilts you've made. So we're so excited to share these tips because this week's Sweet Quilty Home Challenge is to repurpose scraps as decor. For those who don't know, each week we issue a challenge on our podcast and our social media. Just this summer we are doing that. And if you visit our show notes, you can get a link to our Sweet Quilty homepage on our website where we list all the details, helpful content, videos, patterns. Um, And there's only a few weeks left in the challenge, but there's always time to join in. So we're going to take a quick ad break, but hang tight. When we come back, we're chatting with Carla Hall, a name you know from The Chew, Good Morning America, The Food Network, and as author of numerous cookbooks. And you'll love learning about her connection with the quilting world, so stay tuned. Welcome back. I'm handing the mic over to Jody Sanders, the editor of American Patchwork and Quilting, for her special interview with the talented Carla Hall. Enjoy! This is Jody Sanders, and joining me today on the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast is Chef Carla Hall. You've seen her on Bravo, on Top Chef, and Top Chef All-Stars, and for seven years she co-hosted The Chew on ABC. Currently, she is featured on the Food Network as a judge and host. She's also a cookbook author, which is how I first met Carla. Carla, welcome to the podcast. Jody, it is so great to be here. I'm loving this regularity that we're starting. So, <laughs> Well, thank you. And you know what? Let me tell you kind of my recollection of how we first met, and then I'll let you tell me your version of how it happened. Um, your cookbook, Soul Food, was pretty new, and you were in Des Moines, Iowa, for a food event. And Better Homes and Gardens Magazine is headquartered there, and I'm part of that group. And so they host a reception for you out in the test garden. And I brought my cookbook, and I waited patiently in line for you to autograph it for me. And when it was my turn, I introduced myself, and I said what I did for a living. And we instantly started talking about things like intentional mending and making yo-yos, all sorts of handwork and love of fiber and fabric and color. And we just kind of made a connection over all things craft. And that's kind of how I remember it. Do you remember when we first met? I remember it, and I remember when you first mentioned quilting. I honestly didn't see anybody else. I just heard your voice. And I think for me, I mean, yes, everybody introduces me as a chef, but to talk about something other than food is so exciting to me. And and I love crafting. So we were just like, look, 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 look. and then you took me on a tour. And I remember that was the first time that I even realized that there were color swatches. So you had these stacks and stacks of all of these um, small squares of fabric. And I was like, wow. And- 
Yeah, in was, hindsight, I feel like that's how people feel when I tell them, oh, yes, there's a microplane. Oh, yes, there's a salad spinner, right? And it was so cool because as, as the person who, you know, I was fangirling over you, and I thought, she's not even going to remember when we first met. And so it's interesting to how we each remember kind of the details and of when mm -hmm. we first connected and the things that we remember because – Honestly, I don't even remember bringing you up to our craft lab. I don't remember showing you the fabric, but that's the part you remember, you know, and, it, and so I think it's just really interesting that when you meet people for the first time, those kind of first impressions and how important sometimes they can be and how long lasting yes. they can be as well. Yes, absolutely. So and, tell and then here we are today. Right, right. And unfortunately, that was, well, not unfortunately, but that was a couple of years ago. And then COVID hit and we kind of had some plans to try and do some things together, just kind of on a friend basis, not necessarily mm -hmm. a work basis. And, you know, that kind of didn't happen. But but we're hoping in the future. So, but tell us a little bit about the kinds of crafting that you've done in the past. And then I want to move forward to a recent project that um, American Patchwork and Quilting inspired you to do. But But tell me about things that you've done in the past with crafts. So I've worked with beads. I love um, macrame. I love even making friendship bracelets for a while. I bought every kind of embroidery floss, every color. So I was making these friendship bracelets that aren't like the ones that you would, would make at camp. And I did paper mache. And it was actually when I was in France, my husband knows me so well, he sent me to France um, for a class with this master artist whose medium was paper mache, but it was in, she was from England, but it was in France. And it was so amazing. And that's when I learned about intentional mending. And then I went down that rabbit hole. And then so I met you right at the point where I'm like, this is so cool. I don't have to throw my sweaters away. I can make that a flower. Yes, I remember that. And it was kind of, I feel like it was when it was really hitting its stride. We were seeing a lot of it on Instagram and it had kind of been out long enough that there were starting to be books and magazine articles about it. And so it was really at the uh -huh. forefront and we're like, oh, you could use this kind of floss or this kind of pearl cotton or, oh, you know, the Japanese were so great at some of this um, intentional mending of, of the clothing that they had. And so we kind of talked about that and the history about it a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I remember we were just like caught up and we went from one thing to the next to the next because <laughs> if you're mentioning beading and embroidery and all that kind of stuff. You know, those are the same kinds of things that over the last 40 years, you know, I've enjoyed doing as a crafter too. But even though quilting has kind of remained the main thing, I've also done all of these other things over the years as well. And I know that recently uh, Quilt on the cover of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine, it was our August issue. And it was actually a vintage quilt of mine from, from my collection from the 18, late 1890s to 1910 probably. Um, it's a what we call a charm quilt, which means that each fabric in the quilt was a different fabric. And it was a one-patch quilt, again, meaning the patch was the same, so it's repeated over and over that hexagon shape. Now, when you saw that quilt, you saw something different. And tell me about what you did based on the inspiration from that quilt. So... I have never put you out of my mind. And when we met, I talked about how I wanted to learn how to quilt. And, but in the last seven months I've been on the road. Um, and during COVID, you know, I started doing a lot more, a lot more crafting. And I thought, okay, I can't do quilting on the road. I don't have a sewing machine. 
maybe I can turn my love of paper into doing it with quilting. And so I went online and I was looking at free patterns and everything. And then I, I was just in the grocery store and they had this array of magazines and I'm like, oh my God, look at all these quilting magazines. And then, so I picked up the um, American Patchwork and Quilting. I'm like, I love this one. It was simple. It was a repeated pattern, very easy what I thought I could do. And then I open it up and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's right. Jody is the editor. I mean, you should have, it was almost as if I was talking to you. <laughs> so it was confirmation. I was also getting ready to do um, a project or um, a, a project with uh, Pinterest and doing a class. And, and they were like, well, you should have somebody come on with you. I'm like, I know exactly what I want to do. I know exactly who I want to ask. And I was just sitting on pins and needles waiting for you to hopefully say yes to, to doing this class with me. And it was so much fun. We actually did this uh, in July and it's, you know, it's a really cool thing to be able to still be able to interact with each other, even though we weren't able to be in the same place. So I think that's something we've all learned in the last couple of years that you can do it. And so mm -hmm. tell them about what, what we did on that Pinterest live and what you did with that particular shape and that pattern. So I had been, I had gone to find these handmade papers and I decided to do all different shades of reds and peaches and everything in the sort of pink and maroon family. And then um, I shrank down the pattern to, I think it was like uh, maybe six inches um, from top to about the long ways. And I, I shrank it down by half. And, and then I cut out my pieces. I had to figure out, you know, how to make it um, how to make it symmetrical. So I cut all those pieces of paper and then I put them on a canvas board, a 12 by 12 canvas board. And I, and I had made one before sort of, you know, figuring out how to go, how to put it together and just reading the article about this quilt and, and how you, um, pair colors and lights and darks. And, and so, and that was, that was the project. But then after talking to you, I'm like, okay, I've done this with the fly-by-night method, and please tell me how to make it better. It was fun because, you know, you were making it in paper, and then I was also just throwing out some ideas for you in terms of things that you could do as far as, you know, fussy cutting particular motifs on your paper or using stripes in a certain way or even just centering how you put the hexagon uh, shapes on your canvas um, in different ways to get a different look and how we could do, you know, four of the same color together and how that would look different. So it was really fun. We kind of were just brainstorming on the fly. And as you were actually doing it, I kept thinking of all these ideas and I'd throw them out and you're like, oh, wait, let me try that. <laughs> so it was like giving you all these other ideas while you were trying to concentrate and get one done. But it, it was really fun to see the outcome and, and the comments from folks about it. Um, I should tell people it's not saved. That's something that they hope to be able to do in the future. So you can't go back and watch it, but um, it was a lot of fun. And uh, I think something hopefully that maybe Carla will be able to, to do in the future as well. So you can see more of that kind of thing. Um, but, but that was really, that was a fun thing for us to do. Hey, it's Lindsay. I'm so sorry to interrupt, but we have to take a quick ad break. We'll be back with Carla soon. 
Now, another thing I know we have in common is 4-H. And yes. I was in 4-H for several years. I actually am a charter member of the Storm Lake, Iowa, Lucky Lakers 4-H Club. Um, and when showing projects for the fair, I had to sit down and explain the steps for making each project to the judges. So whether it was making blueberry muffins or embroidering a burlap bag with floral designs or refinishing furniture, um, I had to sit down and explain what I did. We also had working demonstrations and you had to get up in front of a group. And for somebody like me who's painfully shy and an introvert, this forced me to do something that I was not naturally comfortable with. And I tell you what, my job now as an editor and have to explain instructions to people and have to get up in front of groups and talk to people or do a podcast or something like that. That was such great training for me that now as an adult, I look back and I think how important that was and that the important mentors that I had during that time and and I know you have a connection to 4-H, too, so why don't you tell folks about that? I do. Um, well, I am on the board at 4-H, but even be before I was on the board, obviously before I was on the board, I was also a member of 4-H when I was in, I guess, third and fourth, maybe the third through the fifth grades. And my, the thing that I always presented at the fairs were, were my drawings or my, like, cartoons and uh, I thought I wanted to be a cartoonist. That, that was my love. And I was always the kid who helped the teachers with the bulletin boards and your drawing and you're putting things together. So the crafting started really early. And now I'm on the board, and um, which is so exciting. And to work with these, um, the youth, and, and also the extensions, and, and, and they reach out to these uh, the, the land grant universities and being that I went to Howard University, it's also a way of reaching out. And one of the first projects that I did with 4-H, because there's so many things, whatever the interests are for the kids, they find a way to bring them in. I did a kitchen wrap with about eight different kids and we made all of these noises and sounds from the kitchen while wrapping. It was amazing. Don't ask me to repeat it because I can't remember, but I'm sure you can find it on the website of 4-H. But it has been so much fun. And so when you said that you were also on 4-H, even the process of writing down the process of something that you're doing, I am so used to doing it in clicking. And I help a lot of young kids um, actually write down their process when they are writing recipes. To write my quote unquote recipe for this paper quilting, it was, I, I thought my head was going to explode because it's a muscle that I haven't used and, but it was so exciting. And I kept doing, it took me forever. And I'm one of those people, if you give me something that's already done, then I can tweak it. But to start from scratch takes so much energy for me. It's like a, it's like a, an extrovert, an introvert going to a party. Yeah, for using me starting from scratch. different muscles. And I think that's the one thing that we're very fortunate with at American Patchwork and Quilting and Quilt Some More, Quilt Sampler, the magazines that we do on our website, allpeoplequilt.com, is we have a terrific group of technical writers that actually, and copy editors and illustrators that, um, you know, take our instructions and write things very specifically. It is um, a muscle that 
not everybody has or you know you can develop it and you can get better at it but um, it's not easy to just sit down and write instructions and it's interesting because our copy editors are often the people that copy edit the recipes and the food magazines at well as well here at Meredith because it's similar you have to be very specific the steps have to be in order if you're off a quarter of an inch multiplied times how many seams if you say a quarter of a teaspoon versus or one teaspoon versus you know one tablespoon you think what a difference that can make if you're adding salt or baking soda or whatever the ingredient may be to your recipe so it's interesting how we kind of have similar things that we enjoy doing um, and I know someday we're gonna get you in some handwork first we've talked about doing some English paper piecing and then yes. eventually we're gonna because you do love color and you do love fiber and you love fabric um, and all of those things so so one day it's my goal that we're gonna bring Carla back on the podcast and she's gonna be talking about her first quilt top that she's made um, <laughs> And so we're going to be looking forward to that someday. Uh, but one thing I want to do, Carla, before we um, take off for today is I want you to tell me about a picture book that you have that's coming in November. Tell us about that. So uh, my first picture book, it is called Carla and the Christmas Cornbread. And it is about me as a young girl with my sister. We're seven and eight and going to my grandmother's house in Lebanon, Tennessee to see my um grandmother and granddad i call her granny and it's it's the christmas holidays and i end up eating santa's cookies and what follows that because i thought i was going to get into trouble what follows that is granny calls me into the kitchen and then we make santa a christmas cornbread with cinnamon butter and the recipe is in the book and uh it's just such a sweet story it's also very much my childhood and and being with my mom and my sister and my grandparents and and all of the food and the traditions around our holidays. And so the book is really about, regardless of where you're from, just really thinking about what those traditions are, sharing my traditions and um, and also doing something fun and like an activity like cooking with your grandparents or your parents. Wonderful. Well, we're going to be looking forward to that coming out in November 2021 um, with Deneen Milner Books, and uh, that's illustrated by Cherise Harris, and we're super excited to be seeing that come out. And again, Carla, thank you so much for joining us today on the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. Thank you so much, Jody. And yes, I will be back with all of the things that I'm doing with Fabric and Thread. Yay! <laughs> Hey, it's Lindsay. What a great interview. I am feeling a little starstruck right now because I've been watching Carla on television for years and I just love her positive attitude and how she brings such a love and excitement to every project she tackles. I think it's so fun to hear the different ways people start working with fibers or getting into quilting and it sounds like now that Carla made a paper replica of a quilt that she's ready maybe to tackle one with fabric. Visit our show notes to read more about Carla and connect with her more. And that's it for today's show. Before we leave today, I wanted to remind you all that we're doing a podcast episode on unpopular quilty opinions next month. 
So if you want to share your unpopular opinion with me and have it featured on the show, email me at apqpodcast at meredith.com. You can find that email in our show notes. Um, I can't wait to hear from everyone on this topic. We've been getting great emails on it. Um, I'm really relating to some of these, so uh, don't think that your unpopular quilty opinion is is ever going to be uh, too much for us to feature on this show. We'll chat with you all next week.